0: That was pretty good, maybe we can do better. Good morning and happy Sabbath. That's that's much better. Thank you guys so much for that beautiful music. So this sermon is the beginning of a series that will last this summer here at Campion. The series is looking at the life of Paul and specifically at the book of Acts. Today we're going to be covering chapters 6-15 through of Acts, which, if you don't know, is the story of Paul and his conversion. And every week from here on out, we'll be looking at different chapters. Some weeks it'll be multiple chapters, other weeks it'll be one chapter. Also, there is a series guide that you can get after the service that outlines what chapters we'll be going over each week. Please bow your heads with me as we begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that we get to be here. Thank you that it's a wonderful day outside, and we just pray that you please help these words that we speak, not to be our words, but to be your words. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.
1: All right, we're gonna start with a story here. So I think we have a picture on the screen. All right, this man, his name is Michael Kearney. And at the moment, he holds the Guinness World Record for the youngest person to graduate college. Now, you're probably wondering, How young was he when he graduated college? Ten. He was ten years old when he graduated college. In his earlier years, it was said that when he was four months old, he could ask his parents what was for dinner. By the time he reached eight months old, he could read. And when he was six years old, he received his high school diploma. So after he graduated college at 10, he continued with his education and earned two master's degrees and a doctorate all by the time he was 22. So what is success? Most people would consider Michael Kearney to be a success. But what really is success? Is success getting all your schooling done by your 20 by the time you're 22? Or is success making sure you ate all your vegetables at supper last night? If not? then what really is success? And what attributes of a person make them successful?
0: Well, we decided to ask a group of four people of varying ages what they believed made someone successful. And here are their responses. The first person said, a successful person reads and an unsuccessful person watches. They have a commitment to accountability and a want to continue learning or growth. They also pursue excellence and daily discipline.
1: The second response that we got from another individual, they said that a successful person is fully at peace with himself.
0: The third said a successful person is focused, driven, and self-motivated.
1: And the last response that we got, this person said that a successful person is someone who is persistent, creative, self-disciplined, and is continuously learning. So when we think of the story of the Apostle Paul, we usually think of two things. This amazing conversion story and a really successful missionary. And those two things are very true when it comes to the story of Paul. But there are so many minor characters that play important parts in Paul's story throughout his entire life. And we often just brush past them whenever we read the story. But we want to look at one of those minor characters today. And that minor character is Barnabas. We feel that Barnabas has the greatest lesson to teach us when it comes to the story of Paul. Without, Paul. without Barnabas, there would never have been the great man that we know Paul to be today. So without further ado, we present to you the story of Paul the Apostle, or as I like to call it, Paul and his posse.
0: Man, Father. I can't believe what I was like almost a year ago. You took me from being a zealous persecutor of your children to, well, a zealous pursuer of children for you. It still pains me, Abba, to think of that horrid day last year when Stephen was stoned, and I just stood there as I felt pride swelping as I watched stone after stone hit him. I'm sorry, Abba.
1: Ha, here's another one. I bet you never even saw it coming. Wait, wait, is that, is that singing that I hear? No, I got to be hearing things. Wait, wait, no. There it is again. St- how, Stephen, how is he singing like that? How can he sing as people are hurling stones down on him? I got to be hearing things.
0: Man, Father, I just can't believe that I found enjoyment in that. Thank you so much for changing me, Father.
1: Man, I never thought we would get sent this far from Jerusalem. I mean, 170 miles is a really long way. Stop touching your friend and keep your hand on your side of the donkey. We have to stop these Christians from spreading heresy. How many Christians do you think we're going to find when we get there? What is your stoning strategy? Do you do the big rocks first and then the little ones? Ah. it doesn't matter, as long as we extinguish them all. What, 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 what happened? Who, who turned out the lights?
2: Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?
1: Wh- who are you, Lord?
2: I am Jesus, the Lord, who you are persecuting.
1: The Lord, Lord?
2: The one and only. Now. Get up and go to Damascus, and I will tell you what to do.
0: Oh, My hand, Lord, those were three long days, 72 hours, without eating or drinking or being able to see anything. Oh, I didn't know what had happened or what was going to happen. But I guess you had to knock me down so I'd look up. Might have stood high before, but you made me realize that earthly status has no eternal gains and that I had to humbly submit myself to you. It's kind of funny that you blinded me since I'd spent my entire life blinded to you. Those three days changed my life forever. But oh, Father. Well, little did I know of what lay ahead adventure. That's the easiest way to put it. But, oh, I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't sent Ananias to show me you had accepted me. I will truly never, ever forget the words that he spoke to me.
3: I hear you right, Lord. Are you sure you want me to go touch and heal and minister to the murderer of your people, the terrorist named Saul? Are you sure? No. All right. All right. I will do it, I will go, I will risk my life ministering to Saul, the murderer of your people. I will go. Can you help me with directions? You know how I am with directions. Brother Soul, God has forgiven you. Jesus, the Lord, has forgiven you. He has sent me to heal you of your blindness and also to give you the Holy Spirit.
1: I can see everything is so much brighter. How could I possibly repay you?
3: No, 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 brother So nothing to repay. I only did what God, what Jesus asked me to do, which was to come to you. Now, do the same and do as he says. Thank you.
0: This is the part of the story that we're all familiar with. It's even become a mainstream phrase, a Damascus Road experience. Paul has quite the history. He was born a Roman citizen because he was in Roman territory in Tarsus with Jewish parents. He also received an Ivy League education, including prestigious training in Jerusalem, as well as under Gamaliel, who was a member of the Sanhedrin. So to sum it up, he was one smart cookie. Now, we just mentioned that Paul was a Roman citizen, but on top of that, he was also a citizen of Tarsus because his family was wealthy. The poor were only considered to be residents. Since we know that Paul and his family were wealthy, we can also surmise that they amassed their wealth from the black tents that they manufactured in that area.
1: Now, some of you out there are probably wondering, wait, Why would they make tents out of black material? I mean, doesn't black material absorb and attract heat? And we thought the same thing. So we decided to do some research, and we found the answer. So we're now going to share that answer with you.
0: The area of Tarsus was known for having these black sheep, and the wool from these sheep made very sturdy and durable material. So this material was used to make tents, and these tents were wanted all over by armies, nomads, and caravanners.
1: And now you know the rest of the story.
0: As his life progressed, he became a better and better scholar of the Torah and all the scriptures. Eventually, he wanted to become a member of the Sanhedrin and make sure that all Jews followed the law to a T. But once Jesus appeared on the scene, Paul was concerned that he was leading the people away from the truth of the scriptures and Torah. So Paul did everything in his power with the blessings of the Sanhedrin, of course, to exterminate the cult that followed the teachings of this dead Jesus. Well, we all know how that turned out when Paul had his Damascus Road experience. But here enters Ananias with lessons we often miss. We don't know much about Ananias. We don't know if he was popular or obscured, shy or outgoing, tall or short, or even if he had a family or was a loner. What we do know, though, is that Ananias did what God asked without a second thought. Even when he thought he was putting his life at risk. I mean, put, your, put yourself in his shoes. He was going to a murderer. The only thing the Bible tells us about Ananias is that when God called, he was ready to be called upon. His answer was, here I am, Lord. Now, he might have been a little wary at first, but he still was ready. Some of the things that Jesus calls requires of his followers requires boldness. And it's hard. I mean, you look at Ananias, he had to go to the murderer. If you look at us, we are terrified to be preaching to you guys right now. We have to be bold. You can see Caleb left. He was apparently so scared, he left. (laughs) Being a follower requires us to be bold. And it's not easy. But God does help us. And there are tons of people in the Bible who are known for their boldness. People like Noah, Elijah, Moses, Daniel, Esther, Rahab. The list goes on and on. But just because they lived in Bible times doesn't mean they're the only one to have to be bold. We live in a century that's just like theirs. Yes. It's years later from when they lived, but it's still a century like theirs, and it's a century we need to be bolden, if not even more bold. So Ananias' response, here I am, Lord, wasn't an accident. His response came straight from his heart. His response came out of faith and courage to serve the Lord when the opportunity came. And I pray that each of us is ready so that when the Lord calls with an opportunity to spread his word, Our response will be, here I am, Lord, to hasten his return. Paul! Paul! I've been looking everywhere for you.
1: We got to talk. Why? Because I believe that your conversion is genuine and that the Lord has great plans in store for you, and I want to help jumpstart you along the path that's been set before you.
0: Are you sure God actually has something planned for me?
1: Absolutely. In fact, let's go talk to the Apostles and I'll do my absolute best to convince them to accept you as a brother in Christ. Hey, Peter. Looking good, James. So I know you got to hear me out on this. You didn't expect me to bring this person of all people here, but I feel that God is working through this person. Peter, I know. I know that this seems illogical, bringing a murderer to work with us, but I just have a feeling in here that God is going to do great things to this person. And have you ever considered giving him a second chance? So we need to pause here and just re-examine what happened, because there is a lot more going on here than meets the eye. So we just had Barnabas—it's just me—take Paul to be accepted as a brother in Christ by the apostles. but. What really was happening here is that Barnabas was taking a person who was formerly known as a serial killer now converted to a Christian to the apostles to have them accept him as a brother in Christ. But on top of all of this, when Barnabas asked the apostles to accept Paul, what he was really asking for was if they would give him a position in the church. So just to put this into perspective for you guys, imagine that the committee who is currently working on choosing a new pastor for Campion, decided that the best candidate for the position before coming to meet Christ in their previous life had been known as a serial killer. Yeah, that's, we would all be very wary about that.
0: Hey, Barnabas, you know, I'm going on this missionary journey that God called me on. And since you've done such an amazing job of encouraging and mentoring me, so thank you. Do you think you'd maybe want to come?
1: So, of course, Barnabas said yes. I mean, who doesn't want to go on a mission trip, right? But, and there's always a but, Barnabas had one condition for going on this trip, and that condition was that he was going to bring his nephew, John Mark, with them on this trip. And unfortunately, this is where the rift began between Paul and Barnabas.
0: I can't believe John Mark left us!
1: You have no idea what's going on with him. Give him a break.
0: Why should I? He left!
1: Look, I'm not... You just got to focus on the rest of this mission, and as soon as we're done, you can complain.
0: I'm not complaining. I'm venting. There's a difference. Whatever. So John Mark left on the first missionary journey, and Paul and Barnabas finished it. And they, uh, after that, they wanted to go on a second one. No, John Mark can't come with us. Don't you remember what he did last time?
1: Oh, come on. What did he do last time to harm us? Did you ever consider giving him a second chance? Why should I? Because without second chances, there wouldn't be great men like yourself. Look at you, for instance. If I had not stepped in and given you a second chance, you would not be standing here asking to go on another mission trip with me. Or look at Peter. He didn't deny the Lord once or even twice. It was three times that he denied him, and Jesus still accepted him as a close friend. Look, why not John Mark? I was right about you. Maybe I'm also gonna be right about
0: John Mark. I know you gave me a second chance, friend, but I can't trust you won't leave us on this trip like last time.
1: All right, then we can split. I will go with John Mark on my own trip, and you can go with somebody else on your own trip.
0: Fine. And may God bless both of our journeys.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Are we still getting together for pizza and ice cream tonight?
0: Yes. But let's not invite Luke so that he doesn't record it.
1: Nah, I like it. So the Bible just says that Paul and Barnabas went their own separate ways. Despite the sharp disagreement that was occurring between these two, they didn't call each other nasty names or say things behind each other's back. It's not terrible to disagree. It's how we disagree that matters. We can still show love to those we disagree with. When Paul and Barnabas split up, they ended up covering more ground for the mission than when they were together. Paul and Silas went on their own trip, and they preached in Asia Minor, and then Barnabas went with John Mark, and they preached in Cyprus. They were covering a whole bunch more space when they were separate. And of course, opposition and persecution followed them wherever they went. But this persecution and opposition ended up strengthening the true Christians that were there whenever they encountered Paul and Barnabas. So Paul went on his second mission trip, came back, and they had both been really successful. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go on a third one, even though he knew he would probably be imprisoned and even potentially killed at this point. But he stepped out in faith went on his third mission trip, came back, was fine, and was like, all right, I'm gonna go on another one. So he went on a fourth missionary trip. And it's on this fourth missionary trip that Christian legend has it that he was beheaded in Rome by Emperor Nero.
0: The story of Paul is a highly told story with the focus being on Paul's great success, which is great. However, we feel like there are some really big lessons from Barnabas's part in this story. And we've pulled out five which we think are the most important and pertinent today.
1: So the first lesson that we pulled out of Barnabas' story is this. Without Barnabas, there is no Paul. If Barnabas had not taken Paul under his wing and mentored him, then we, he would never have reached his full potential for God. We know, as we've already discussed, Paul had all the academic knowledge that he needed to be a successful missionary, but he still needed to learn some, I think what we would call street skills today, so to speak, to use out in the mission field, things that you don't learn in a classroom. And this is where Barnabas stepped in to help him.
0: The second is that we all need a Barnabas in our life. We all need to have someone who is a Barnabas to us. And sometimes we're called to be a Barnabas to someone else. We need someone who's always in our corner throughout life. They're always by our side and they always believe in us and continually give us second chances, even fifth chances, tenth chances, one thousand and one chances. We're human beings. We mess up. What else is new? But who is God calling you to be a Barnabas to today?
1: The third point that we pulled out of Barnabas' story is that everybody deserves a second chance, or a tenth chance, or a thousand-first chance. Most of us, if we had been put in Barnabas' shoes, would never have given a person like Saul a second chance, but Barnabas stepped out in faith and did give Paul a second chance. And as a result of this action, we now know Paul to be this great man and role model and mentor today. And this was all due to Barnabas' mentorship. If Barnabas had not given Paul a second chance, then he would never have become the great man that we know him as today. Who do you need to forgive and give a second chance to today?
0: The fourth is about disagreeing on non-doctrinal issues. When Paul and Barnabas disagreed, they didn't make sides and start a war that could have very well divided the early church, causing the later church to be split. Yeah, they disagreed about John Mark, but they resolved the issue in a civilized fashion. Just because they disagreed didn't mean they let it get in the way of spreading the gospel, but they also didn't let it ruin their friendship. Yeah, there was a rift between them for some time, but we know later in the Bible that they, they forgave each other. They got back together. They might have had their differences and opinions, but they still knew what the bigger picture was. They knew that their little issue didn't compare to the bigger issue of getting people and souls for the kingdom. So, what disagreements do you need to put behind you in order to focus on the goal of saving as many lives as possible for the kingdom?
1: The last point that we pulled from Barnabas is that, every, is that actions speak louder than words. So this is a phrase I'm sure you've been told a lot, if not, certainly in my case, my parents have told me that a lot. And we very clearly see this phrase illustrated in the life of Barnabas. So fun fact, Barnabas' name isn't actually Barnabas, it's Joseph. And the only reason we know Barnabas to be Barnabas today is because the apostles gave him the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And the reason that the apostles gave him this name is because whenever they saw Barnabas, whether it be out in public or in his own private home, everybody that he encountered, he was constantly encouraging. So our question for you is, if your friends were going to name you based on your actions, what would it be?
0: God used every part of Saul. His training under Gamaliel, his zealousness, even his tent-making skills. God worked through Paul's issues and imperfections and accomplished his will through Paul. Something that we can learn from this is that God can use us no matter what baggage and imperfections we have. Also, it's okay to agree to disagree. We're humans, it's gonna happen. However, disagreeing shouldn't get in the way of the salvation and the saving of lives for the kingdom. Finally, we're going to reiterate this one more time. Without Barnabas, there would have been no Paul. Paul needed Barnabas for several reasons. (laughs) But the biggest is that Paul needed an encouraging second chance man in his life. Without Barnabas there to disciple and mentor Paul, he would never have fully become the man that God wanted him to be. And the same goes for us today.
1: We all need someone in our lives to mentor us and disciple us in our walk with God so that we can, in turn, disciple and mentor others in their walk with God. And Ellen White actually talks about this in her book, Evangelism, and this is what she says on p- page 683. Those who have gained experience, in active service are to take young, inexperienced workers with them into the harvest field, teaching them how to labor successfully for the conversion of souls. Kindly and affectionately, These workers are to help the younger ones to prepare for the work to which the Lord may call them. Barnabas fully embraced his role as a mentor and walked with God. And because of how close he got with God, God gave him these abilities to disciple and mentor and encourage others. And God is calling us to the same task today that he called Barnabas to. So we want to challenge you to find someone in your lives to be a Barnabas too. Give somebody a second chance today and see how God's not only gonna bless the person that you give a second chance to, but yourself as well. So we wanna invite uh, Miss Pat and Judah up as we sing our closing hymn, and we also invite you to stand with us as well.
3: Have in your heart that God has called you to baptism and you want to join us here, you're welcome to do so during the song.
2: The Lord.
3: been studying with Pat and Judah as we have a special prayer for them. So come on up uh, right at this moment before we have our prayer. All right, we can kind of surround them as Caleb gives the benediction and pray specifically for Pat and Judah and for all of us to follow the example of Saul and of Judah and Pat.
1: Please bow your heads and join me in prayer. Lord, we just want to thank you for adding two new people to your kingdom today. And we just ask that you continue to be with both Miss Pat and Judah as they continue with their spiritual journey and just strengthen them and give them the support as well as their friends. Help them, give them the support that they need, that they're going to need on this journey, Father. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace until again we meet in worship. Amen. Amen. Amen.